organised jointly, organised jointly by Labour Party Marxists and CPGB, and uh, I just say we've had the same uh, joining link for the past um, or registering link for the past few weeks, but it'll be different next week. I understand this one, this link expires on the thirtieth, uh, which is today, thirtieth of May, and uh, but we do want comrades to register every time every week okay even if the link is the same um <clears throat> this week we've got hillel ticked in as you can see already speaking about uh, perspectives for the world economy is it good or is it bad well okay go ahead uh, hillel thank you <coughs> thank you for inviting me um <coughs> the uh, topic i was given was uh in terms of uh, the United States and uh, beyond, have uh, a nice the same thing. So uh, <clears throat> I'll uh, begin with the United States, but since it's uh, supposed to be more than that, I, I think well, what I'll do is discuss the United States and consequently what is likely to happen and the debates that are going on and where it's going to go. Then in relation, to uh, uh, other crucial countries like uh, China, the EU, etc. And I assume it's 45 minutes. So uh, I'll begin then with the United States. Well, I, I have in fact given uh, uh, similar talks over the last month or so which boil down to a discussion of where is the United States going. I don't think many people expected the United States to take this particular form. That's to say, to have a democratic uh, president elected, who then began to talk about reversing policy back to a period before 1980. And they have talked precisely in those terms, uh, which, uh, from their point of view, makes sense. But from our point of view, too, it's all <clears throat> we too will have to have to look at it in terms of uh, the capitalist class deciding to take uh, a, a less concessive policy as from uh, 1980 with uh, Thatcher and Reagan. So basically, any discussion of the present has to be in in these terms of a reversal of the failure of the period from 1980 to the present, the Reagan, uh, <coughs> Thatcher um, uh, reversal of uh, ca capitalist policy. That's to say the policy after the war, immediately after the war was of a limited concession. In Britain, it meant full employment and not just in Britain. It didn't mean full employment in the United States, but it was certainly fuller employment than what has come into existence. So, um, what is clear is that since 2008 down to uh, the present, the world has been stagnating. Let's say the capitalist economy, which governs the world, has been stagnating. Now, the way it's normally put, is in terms of a uh, great recession. <clears throat> That's to say, 
it's not a depression. It's not like the Grail Pierre for 1939-40. It's uh, somewhat less than that. That's the way it's put. But it seems to me that's just a nonsense. <coughs> you can, of course, define depression and recession in any way you like. <coughs> and that's really what's been done. When you have stagnation, which is what we've had in the world economy, from really it's 2007 and even 2006, because the downturn de facto happened in the United States, the beginnings of it in 2006. Even. It showed itself in its crassest form in which the whole system was threatened, which they now admitting, or they have been admitting, um, from 2008 onwards. What's of course interesting is that from 2008, you've had relative stagnation uh, throughout the period. There's been slight ups and downs. And the term used usually is crisis. But if you have a crisis for uh, whatever number of years you want, 12 years, it stops being a crisis. You have to use some other new name for it. <coughs> We understand if you look at Marxism, we have a particular view of crisis, usually in terms of going up and down. <clears throat> but here you have just down. It's a very low rate of growth if there is growth. And it depends on the country whether they have any growth at all. Britain's growth has been low. In the third world, it's been particularly uh, in trouble. In South Africa, it didn't have any growth in, in the last few years. And I think that's probably a, an, uh, an optimistic estimate of the situation in, in South Africa. And of course, what on earth do we mean by growth anyway? So what we have in this period down to the present has been a, an, an overall uh, downturn, which the capitalist class wasn't able to change. Now, it's major form which um, most people seem to avoid somehow i don't know why is the fact that the capitalist class isn't investing or it's investing in a, in a routine way and the result of doing that as i'm describing the united states now <clears throat> the result of doing that of course is that growth is low obviously but it's it means the um, rise in productivity is next to zero. In the United States, it's, it's uh, below 1%. <clears throat> so there's no question about the problems involved. Clearly, the capital class doesn't want to invest, but doesn't see any great need to invest. Now, when I say it doesn't want to invest, it doesn't mean that there, doesn't mean there's no investment whatsoever, as it were. But there's no added investment compared to the previous years. Even if the profit rate would allow it, it's, it isn't done. And the usual example I, I give, uh, uh, representing some of the stuff, is that uh, if you look <clears throat> at uh, the uh, um, Bank of New York Mellon, it actually takes in. $41 trillion for non-investment, if you can imagine that. That's to say, it takes it in 
uh, as custodians. Uh, <clears throat> the GDP of the United States is roughly uh, a bit over 20 trillion. Now, of course, it doesn't compare with any other country. It doesn't compare with Britain, which is far, uh, somewhere else in terms of these figures. So <clears throat> you have 41 trillion, which has basically been just uh, uh, put in some uh, um, odd place. Or, uh, it's, it's go for some sort of routine investment. That's what it boils down to. That's actually a lower rate of investment. And in principle, they could get if they were to go and decide to build some new uh, firm structure or or whatever. <clears throat> so uh, that's the state of the United States at one level <clears throat> that it's not expanding in that way. And of course, it does mean, which is the implication, that the standard of living of the majority of the population has to put it uh, uh, nicely, is not rising. <clears throat> but in fact, uh, for many people, it's falling. And it's quite clear that, that the farmers in particular are in trouble. And it's not surprising there's uh, um, parties which are not really proposing any way out, let's say, until Biden come, came, that they would then look for any kind of figure. And they, they did, they found Trump. So well, one's not talking of a highly successful economy in the United States. You're talking of an economy which basically can continue, but uh, is uh, still rem uh, with, within what amounts to a form of its own economic lockdown. <clears throat> so that's the condition, the condition where a substantial part of the population has had a uh, a declining standard of living, <clears throat> where a substantial part of the intelligentsia, or young people in particular, are critical of the system. And that's true, of course, as we know of Britain too. If you look at the statistics, the statistics in Britain show that uh, pe people between uh, 18 and 39 uh, vote left. Uh, the majority vote left. <clears throat> so the United States is, is not any different in that respect. Uh, it's not surprising that students vote for the left. That is the real, that is the real situation. And <clears throat> now, of course, in principle, you'd expect the ruling class um, to, to be trying to find a way out of this. Um, putting 41 trillion, which is only a, obviously a proportion of it in their uh, holding, uh, doing next to nothing, <clears throat> obviously isn't a solution. They obviously not threatened. The average income of the uh, highest sector in wealth terms in the United States uh, it is clearly in billions. The um, Forbes estimated there was something like 600, 700 people whose incomes are in uh, billions. 
That's not true of Britain, of course. I think the, the numbers in the, in, in, a, in the highest bracket um, are um, getting a, a good few uh, thousand million would be a, a, quite a small, smaller than that. Um, um, anyway, the very highest layer in Britain, I think you're talking of uh, uh, considerably lower income, <coughs> is something like 10 to 15,000. I've, I've worked on the income tax statistics of, of Britain. Anyway, <coughs> the point is that Britain's had its own crisis, it's in its own crisis. In the United States, the way out which a sector of ruling class appears to have taken is precisely to support Biden. <clears throat> the uh, obvious example is to uh, look at, say, Jamie Dimon, the uh, director of J.P. Morgan Chase, the biggest bank in the United States, one of the biggest, if not the biggest in the world, supports Biden. Very unusual to get. Uh, uh, top banker uh, <clears throat> supporting the left. And obviously, Biden isn't left wing in these things. I don't know if we should regard him as that. But his, his uh, movement is back to what were the slogans of old social democracy. <clears throat> He's calling for the resuscitation of trade unions. And you can go on um, in terms of the quoting, if you want, until, uh, until, uh, in which you, you can see that he's, he's standing for what amounts to old time. Um, I say old time, it's not really old time. This old time would be in period before 1914, but <laughs> post-war social, social, social democracy. So we're talking now, just now, right now, of uh, a budget being introduced in the United States to Congress, in which Biden is proposing expenditure of something like uh, over six trillion. Now that's only just come out. But it's substantially more than the four, four trillion or so that would have been expected. And he's proposing a series of measures which uh, will help uh, um, young children onwards. A series of what amounts to social democratic measures. <clears throat> they were proposed before and he's carrying them out. The budget deficit is projected to hit about 15% of GDP this year. And uh, the Financial Times says this is a gap historically associated with wartime. He's also going to produce a bill, he's, he's producing a bill, an infrastructure bill, 
which he will be unveiling in Pittsburgh that will cost more than three trillion, three trillion over 10 years. And of course the question is, uh, how, how is this going to be accepted? In fact, he's introducing all the various measures that a social Democrat would introduce. <clears throat> The um, uh, Financial Times actually um, points out that the Internal Revenue Service has shrunk by more than a fifth over the past decade and increasingly avoids auditing the very wealthy. Curious capitalism uh, in, in which it tries its best to do nothing. nothing. Uh, and for the majority and protects the rich. So <clears throat> what Biden is proposing is precisely to tax the rich. It's not something that many people would have expected before. And that he would have uh, taken this measure and the rich would have accepted it. Because a substantial section of the rich have accepted it. That's why I quoted uh, Jamie Dimon. Uh, he's the banker, of course, but uh, a banker to the rich. <clears throat> it's pointed out that roughly 70 billion a year goes uncollected due to various offshore accounting schemes. I'm just quoting that to indicate what Biden is, is attacking and what he's trying to change. So you're talking of a deliberate intention to raise the level of taxation in order to pay for this uh, budget, which does amount to um, helping the majority of the population as opposed, as opposed to simply helping the rich, which is what happened under, under Trump. Well, of course, could go into detail in the various forms of this. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Biden is proposing stronger trade union rights, increased tax credits with low pay, a higher minimum wage, the creation of lower skilled jobs to improve infrastructure and fight climate change. And higher taxes will actually deal with it. One can go into the noise amount of detail, but it's not necessary. It's clear you actually have a government which will tax the rich in order to help the poor. That's the kind of uh, immediate form that one sees. But at the same time, Biden wants to get the support of more of the rich. He doesn't want to have to go in for a civil war, a direct civil war. And of course, in uh, the Senate, he doesn't have a majority except in so far as the vice president, who's the chairman of the Senate, uh, <clears throat> votes uh, votes for the Democrats, which of course she would. <clears throat> but uh, 
there'll be the odd Democratic senator who, of course, may not follow the line. So their majority isn't that clear. They have a majority in the lower house, as opposed to the Senate, of which I was talking, but it's quite small. So what Biden is trying to do is to go slowly in order to get Okay, I've uh, spoken, I suppose, for about 20 minutes on this. Um, the, uh, that's very generally, uh, this is very general. If I can ask any questions and, and then more, I can uh, either, either give you the detail or look up the and give it to you. Um, well, uh, the question, of course, is, is whether Biden will be able to get it through over time, whether he has the majority of the population, whether Trump will not get sufficient support to uh, win a new election. But the way it looks, it seems to me, is that uh, the population is much more in Biden's favor than not. After all, it would make far more sense. He's in favor of uh, going back to uh, Obama's attempt to provide free health. He's in favor, as quoted, in terms of the minimum wage, which he tried to get through. He's just tried to get through in one way or another. Some form of it is going to emerge or has emerged but he couldn't actually get it through uh, as, a, as a law. It's very odd, actually, that he couldn't. $15, after all, which is uh, about 11 pounds, <clears throat> isn't uh, a tremendous burden on the capitalist class. Uh, <clears throat> uh, it's amazing that the minimum wage up to now has been $7. and. Uh, and uh, an hour. However, it just indicates the uh, problems that he actually has. Quite obviously, a substantial section of the ruling class is opposing him, uh, even though uh, probably a uh, substantial or majority section is supporting him. Now, uh, that that would tend to be the case. Why, if you are already a billionaire, why do you want to punish the rest of the population? Why wouldn't you uh, not want a more stable country? <clears throat> because it's clear, given the number of riots, <clears throat> the constant use of the police, and the extreme ideologies that the police actually have, <clears throat> that the United States would be a, a much better place even for the rich to live in, if they did make these reforms. Um, and after all, during the period down to 1980, the rate of profit wasn't that low. Most of the time, it was somewhere around 9%. In Britain, of course, and that's quite different. It was down to, uh, in 1979, it was down to 1%. If that, <clears throat> but that, uh, but that, wasn't, that wasn't true of the United States in that way. So, um, 
in other words, from the point of view of one section of the capitalist class, you could see that they would be prepared to concede. And of course, <clears throat> under conditions where, in, in fact, an increasing uh, layer of the population or increasing <clears throat> numbers in the population are supporting uh, greater e equality in society, you'd expect that uh, given that there is no other threat, there is no Soviet Union which is supposed to be left-wing and uh, a danger, there is no external danger really to threatening the United States. The one danger which of course threatens them as everybody else is climate change and that of course Biden is actually taking up. <clears throat> Having said that, <clears throat> what Biden also wants to do is to go slowly to get support. It's not at all clear that he will get that support. I, I don't know how far it will actually go, but it seems to me very likely that it, it will go sufficiently far to cause change. It's also quite likely to inspire an increasing section of the population. It's rather odd at this time that we see the United States, which has been the uh, being regarded as the uh, bastion of the right, if not the far right, to actually see a left forming there, and an incipient left really. And so there are various groups, but they're obviously not going very far. I think what is it? About a hundred thousand people belong to the left group in the, in the Democratic Party. But uh, in fact, there isn't a minister in Biden's cabinet who's left wing. Sanders is in the Senate and he's got a, uh, a leading role in the Senate, but he is he's not a minister. <clears throat> so one can, as it were, uh, be too optimistic about what's happening in the United States as well. However, it does seem to me that uh, there really isn't much choice for the United States as to what, or individuals in the ruling class. The right itself is, it would appear in supporting Trump uh, to have very substantial numbers on its side. If they were to take power, in the end, the ruling class will have lost. What they will have done to the country by the time they leave it, wouldn't bear thinking of. It would inevitably mean that uh, a left would form <clears throat> under pressure. It may take, I don't know, may take a short amount of time, might take a very long time, but it would happen. It would be utterly stupid for them to go for what amounts to a dictatorial form. I think they realize that. And they are prepared to make the obvious concession which they are now doing. They're not moving to socialism. It amounts to a, a limited form of concession. You can call it social democracy, <clears throat> but it does mean a, a rising standard of living and hence the, a budget, a, a radical budget, <clears throat> an improvement in schools and, and in, an improvement uh, for helping the old, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and improving the situation of the unemployed. When indeed Biden has even called for full employment. 
Well, <clears throat> now that's the situation in the United States. The United States is the controlling power throughout the world. It is the globalist power that regards itself as such. Trump directly attacked that concept of being the global power, <clears throat> which meant that uh, the United States could do what it liked, as it were, wherever it liked, without trying to build some kind of um, interaction with, uh, uh, with uh, other countries. It would order the other country to do what was required. Um, it would act in its own interest, as Trump made very clear. Except its own interest cannot be formed really without looking at the world as a whole and where the United States in it and how best for the United States to fit in it so that in the end, it will be far, the individuals will be far better off. That long-term viewpoint, of course, isn't Trump's viewpoint, but it, it would be the kind of viewpoint that any rational person would take. Of course, if you're talking of capitalism, uh, capitalism is not, uh, uh, <coughs> capital is not here to help someone who isn't part of that capital. <clears throat> Nonetheless, the United States has established itself before Trump as the international power, the global hegemon, and continues to do so. And you can see how, how uh, Biden has been interacting with the other leaders of the world. He is, uh, is about to meet Putin. And there's articles as to why on earth he's going to meet Putin. An article I was reading in the Financial Times, which was attacking him for wanting to meet Putin. Um, well, it's uh, that's uh, that'll be a whole whole other discussion. But the, the reason he's me he's meeting Putin isn't because he likes uh, Putin, because he actually called him a killer. It's because the United States is the global power, and, and he wants he wants to maintain that global power. Finance capital is necessarily international, but it's not international in the sense of uh, <laughs> dividing the wealth in, uh, evenly or helping the world. It's international in the sense of maintaining a world in which the United States can grow. <clears throat> and in that sense, it does require um, other countries not to go into a, uh, a permanent slump because then they're completely useless, <clears throat> but actually have the world with which the United States is interacting to have it developing. Of course, what it wants is the United States to be in overall control and uh, the dividends to flow to the United States. That makes sense. Obviously, they won't get any dividends if they're not in control in, that, in the way that they are in control. In fact, we know there are uh, very large flows of dividends going into the United States, very important. The United States runs, of course, we know uh, a um, monthly deficit for the rest of the world of 50 to 60 trillion, uh, billion. 
Um, that is 60 billion. So, uh, <clears throat> nonetheless, you have the upper middle class, sections of the middle class in various countries send their wealth to the United States in order to be preserved or, or actually developed. <clears throat> the United States plays uh, a critical role, in fact, in terms of the overall development of economies and of um, uh, um, companies. And that includes China. <clears throat> China, um, not that I'm an expert in China, but we, we can see, and, uh, it, uh, and an article has appeared, did appear some uh, months ago, pointing out that something like 60 to 80% of enterprise or industry, uh, of, that's out, outside the farming area, is um, under private enterprise. Whereas the left was able to talk of China as state capitalist, or section of the left called it state capitalist, um, now, in fact, the, uh, the right calls it state capitalist. It's a state, standard term in relation to the United States, but to China. And there's no question of its actual development, whereas the uh, development after they did the deal in, 1800, in, 19, sorry, in 2002 with the World Trade Organization, which opened things up, the, the, um, China has developed phenomenally in the early period, 15% uh, a year. At the moment, it, uh, although obviously it was held back by the uh, 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 by the uh, <clears throat> spreading of the coronavirus, by the pan pandemic, using uh, what amounts to Stalinist, Stalinist tactics, they were able to reduce the number who were who caught it, caught the disease, and who actually died. There was a, a fraction, in fact, of the, in, in terms of percentages of the numbers in various other countries. And it's, uh, the rate of growth was up to 5%. Uh, a, a few months ago. So there's no question of the situation of China and its importance. Today, uh, um, a, a, a leading firm, BlackRock, which I think has something like 7 trillion in shares, it uh, specializes in buying and selling of shares, um, but of course plays a crucial role. BlackRock does that is together with Vanguard and State Street to some of the companies which are considerably smaller. Anyway, the point is that they are investing in China. They're directly investing in China. There's considerable American investment going into China. And I'm not clear what the, the, the aim of the Chinese leadership is. It's called their party, the Communist Party. Um, 
and where they're actually going. Uh, however, there's no question of its development. And in, um, in areas of its actual development, they can be uh, a, ahead of the rest of the world. So the United States is effectively uh, cooperating with them in industrial terms. And we're seeing that relatively, well, the very fast development of China, although it has slowed down compared to the earlier period. And the United States has effectively taken the line that it is going to invest in it in that way. Trump had taken what amounts to a, a very hostile line um, up to now. Up, up to now, as far as I can see, the uh, United States hasn't brought to an end the, the various measures introduced by Trump. But it does appear to be uh, less hostile. They, they, uh, they did have a meeting in, the, in Alaska, which went uh, uh, a wrong way from their point of view, presumably. Uh, both sides wanted to come to a deal. It looks as if they weren't able to. However, I'm not at all certain what that really means. Uh, I'm not at all clear what the United States actually uh, would think could uh, happen. It doesn't seem to me that the original intention of the uh, probably the Bush administration to allow China to develop under its control and due to it, or at least partly due to it, what they did to uh, Russia after it uh, overthrew Stalinism. In relation to Russia, what they did was refuse to accept uh, big firms having a, an international role. You, you simply didn't have it. They didn't allow it. They didn't want it, didn't want the competition. Um, and it's clear that what uh, the United States expected was China would develop to a point where they could harness it, as it were, under its uh, own aegis that the Chinese are not going to accept. And that, that fight is going to continue. Of course, from the point of view of the left, you can take neither side. You have to stand with working class in each side. But <clears throat> the, the interaction between the two countries is bound to continue. Though a, a more sensible United States would, would simply uh, pull out the, of, of that kind of line. I don't know whether they're afraid that China would take over the world, which is highly unlikely, or simply they want to establish American uh, investment and control in China. But that appears to be the kind of fight which is now which is now now going on. <clears throat> Obviously, the Chinese government has as much to do with socialism as my dog. So uh, we're not talking about social development. Even though we actually have a few people from far left groups who uh, adopted China as a world, gone, gone there to work. Um, in terms of the rest of the world, 
it appears to me the situation for the third world is dire, absolutely dire. With the exception of a number of countries in uh, in Asia or East 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 Asia, the position in South Africa is precisely that. But it's true throughout Africa, even worse than in South Africa. Standard of living is low. The development of industry hardly exists, or has gone backwards, or at most has stagnated. <clears throat> the, clearly, a globalist United States, uh, which is what the United States is, has to consider what they are going to do with uh, with Africa in in particular, and uh, parts of South America. Europe, in its turn seems to me to be utterly muddled. The section of Europe, which came from the former Soviet Union, really doesn't know where to go. They were clearly expecting a rise in standard of the population, or the uh, leaders, or both, were expecting a rise in, in the population to the same level as, say, France or, in, or Britain. The standard of living has risen up to a point. It's limited. And uh, a, a lot of the industry which was there, if you just look, say, East Germany, as an example, and East Germany got completely wiped out. <clears throat> That's to say, effectively, these countries are, they're not colonies, but semi-colonies or whatever term you want to regard them as within the EU itself. The United States remains the not just the dominant power, but the dominant economic power. It is globalist in the sense of running it, not just politically, but financially. It is the financial hegemon without question. And it continues in that form. What uh, Biden has recognized is that there has to be a form of change something which is less um, dominant, less um, obviously exploitative, something which in the United States itself does provide for the population as a whole. If that is maintained, if it is successful, logically it would have to extend to the rest of the world. Otherwise, it's highly unlikely to maintain it otherwise. So, What's happening in the United States is crucial, though I don't think there's any doubt. It doesn't mean that the left are in power, they are definitely not in power. And the left is relatively small. Uh, but there, there clearly is a change, which you have, have to ask, why is there this at all? Well, we, we have to go back to first uh, principles, as it were. In 1917, the revolution did overthrow capitalism. And it did bring the world into state of transition. That is where we are. It isn't just a question of a particular country uh, raising the red flag. It is also the changing nature of necessary, changing nature of economies under these conditions 
of being in a transition period. <clears throat> it's necessarily true that finance is itself unproductive. It is true that the society has to develop industry in order that the standard of living arrive. If it simply shifts to finance capital, it's doing almost nothing. It is parasitic. <clears throat> One can go into the details of the nature of the uh, transitional period, the forms which are coming to existence, and which in fact, to considerable degrees, play an important um, role in the economy and in, in the society. Thank you.